Hi, this is Jay Baer of Convince and Convert Consulting, and welcome to the new Content Experience Show. Content Experience is the new content marketing. It's not only about reaching audiences where they are, but engaging them with personalized, useful content that matters. On the Content Experience Show, we share strategies, tips, and real-world examples of how leaders are taking their content marketing to the next level. Now, here's your hosts, Randy Frisch from Uberflip and Anna Harak from Convince and Convert Consulting. Welcome to the Connex Podcast. This is the Content Experience Show. I'm Randy Frisch. Anna, we have a great guest this week. We had Charlie Lynch from FranklinCovey.com join us. Now, I mentioned this in the podcast that I grew up with Franklin Covey. Uh, at the beginning of my career, it was like these binders that we used to use almost like as massive agendas where we lived in them before we had iPhones and things like that. Fortunately, these guys sold that division off. So that's no longer what it is, but they're all about creating better leaders, right? Yeah, no, it's amazing. And they do a lot of fantastic, amazing content work to help people become better leaders. So it's not just the training that they do. It's also they have this amazing resource center where there's, you know, tips and tricks. There's I seriously anybody out there listening right now, just go check out their entire resource center. There's some really cool stuff. But yeah, Charlie is kind of responsible for it all. And they, they, they do global work. It is a, he has a lot on his plate and he wears a ton of different hats. Yeah, for everyone's understanding going into this, uh, Charlie Lynch is the Global Director of Digital Engagement at Franklin Covey. And it was really interesting. I mean, even in passing on our conversation this week, he's talking about dealing with global offices. Can't remember where in the world he he alluded. Was it Pakistan or something like that? He was Uh, working with someone in Pakistan recently. Yeah, I mean, like he's dealing with global scale. There's a global brand. And and what's interesting, though, to me is is, as large as they are, he seems very grounded in his approach to how he sets up his team to succeed on that last important piece beyond people, beyond process. It's buying technology and deciding what technology is needed. Yeah. And Charlie gave a ton of amazing tips and tricks on this podcast about how to find the right platform, the right technology solution for individuals. And they are universal. So no matter if you are listening in your B2B or your B2C, all of these tips and tricks apply to everybody when you're looking at platforms that you can implement to better help you either create content or manage content or just even manage and organize your team better. He gave a lot of gold on this podcast. Yeah, I, I got a lot of it from this myself. You know, just to break it down for everyone in terms of what you'll hear over the next 30 minutes, Charlie outlines the idea of setting a project plan, avoiding overbuying, and maybe the most interesting one to me was considering the UI and team size that you have in terms of what technology is going to map best. So let's roll into those three over this great conversation and stay tuned at the end to learn all about comic books. All right, Anna, you brought them in. So let's roll with the episode. Hey, Charlie, thank you so much for joining us today. It's really great to have you here. Oh, thanks for bringing me on. I'm excited to be here. 
Yeah, no, and it's super exciting because we, this is actually sort of round two. What people actually don't see is that we tried to record before, but unfortunately our recording platform kind of was giving us some trouble. So um, I'm, I'm really excited. I know Randy's really excited to actually complete this interview today because we have a lot of really cool stuff to chat about. Before we actually get there, though, um, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself just so everybody knows sort of exactly who you are? Well, um, thanks. Um, so my name is Charlie Lynch. I am the Global Director of Digital Engagement over Franklin Covey. We are a um, global corporate company. We deal with uh, leadership training and corporate management, um, how to train your trainers, how to be- build out better managers within your workforce, how to look at your first-time leaders. Um, so we, we build solutions around helping your company create better culture and better better leaders within your organization. By the way, I think leadership training is something that is vastly undervalued and overlooked by a lot of companies, um, but that is an entirely separate conversation for another podcast. In terms of day-to-day content, how does that shake out for you? What is sort of your, your day-to-day content engagement and you know, day-to-day content responsibilities look like? Um, it really varies. It, com- it comes and goes in certain things. I spend a lot of time looking at data looking at user paths for our customers online. Um, I'll spend days just building out videos. I I help build and produce a lot of the video content that we do here. I'll be working with our social team and streamlining what we want to do for campaigns. I'll help do pay-per-click stuff. I kind of oversee all of that, but we have a fairly small team. I have the, some would call it luxury, some would call it um, burden of managing a lot and having to do a lot of the groundwork and just kind of getting your hands dirty. I'll, I'll even do design work. I'll jump into sketch. I'll jump into action. So I kind of touch a lot of things, but I also have to deal with, like this morning I was on the call on a call with Pakistan, um, helping them um, put in their, their website for another global partner of ours. So I, I kind of touch a whole bunch of different stuff, but it's exciting. We have a small team, but we get a lot done. I don't know. I personally like that approach. And, and, and Randy, I know you wear a lot of hats too, and I think you're a big fan of this as well. And we've kind of talked about the role of the generalist, but, you know, Charlie, I think that that's sort of the best way to go in terms of, you know, wearing a bunch of different hats because you get to do a bunch of cool stuff. And the nice thing too is um, you can actually like, you know, build out all of these amazing resources that you have and you kind of maximize everybody because you do actually have a ton of amazing resources on the website. Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in there too, just yeah. just for a little background context. I know this isn't what Franklin Covey's known for anymore, Charlie. But when my first job at a university, we did this training for like weeks, and a big part of it was structured through how to use your Franklin Covey portfolio binder, right? Which I know is, I think, a divested part of the business now. But I, that stuff has stuck with me because it was really all about time management and setting priorities at the end of the day, which I think is a big part of leadership training too. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we did um, the planner division is no longer part of our um, overall company structure. We sold that division off, but it's amazing how much being just personal effectiveness, we call it, for even a leader, for someone that's just managing people or someone that just is, is getting the job done having those skills is so integral and so important for people nowadays. And I think a lot of it's been ignored um, just because there's so much noise that it's hard to really stay focused on what you need to do. But something that we really try and focus on Franklin Covey is building out those structures and giving people frameworks that they can use to be more effective. You know, our, our main flagship tool is the seven habits of highly effective people, um, which is probably part of the thing that you worked within in that planning tool, but it's, 
it's amazing. I mean, that, the book itself is sold, I think, over 20 million, 30 million copies. And people still come back to those, those habits over and over and over again. Even I, working here, sometimes, you know, what's the whole saying is that the cobbler's kids have the worst shoes or something like that. Okay. <laughs> um, but we really lean on that content a lot here at the company. So it's, it's really cool to be part of that and be able to kind of help give people great resources and great things that they can improve themselves on. Well, it bridges us really well to, to what I know we want to dig in on today, which is how to set up a digital presence and how to go about committing or not over committing sometimes to software and technology and platforms. So I think a lot of what you're talking about tied to having the right process, having the right way to prioritize probably gives you a good framework in terms of how you approach. But before we go into that, maybe you can kind of just talk about what Franklin Covey's presence online looks like end of day. That's a good question. I mean, we, um, we're in 170 plus countries right now. And our main focus is we have our partners, we give them tools to build up and build out their own, their own websites. But we've been really trying to grow our overall brand presence and our SEO strategy here at Franklin Covey. In the past, it has been kind of something that they, we, the company hasn't put as much effort into. And we really are trying to, to make people aware that we're no longer this planner company. We're really trying to change organizational development, leadership training, and personal productivity. So for us, you know, digital presence has really been a, a goal. So you know, we target our SEO. We're trying to add as much value in terms of bringing new content, new video. We just launched a new uh, newsletter campaign around on leadership. It's um, we bring in a bunch of ex cool guests. Um, we had uh, Doris Kearns Goodwin, who's an author of um, this new leadership book. We have Seth Godin. We've had um, Eric Barker on. So we try and get all these different thought leaders in place, but really trying to focus them on helping to grow le- leadership. So that's one campaign. That's just something we're doing within that space. We're doing our paid, standard pay-per-click stuff. We're doing paid advertising. We have a targeted social team that's doing a lot more to try and leverage our thought leaders. We're really trying to position thought leaders to be something that we can stand on and use as the voice of Franklin Covey. And we are trying to put in as many good, sound digital platforms that we can we can grow with, that we can expand upon and scale as we get bigger, as our team grows. That's a lot, actually. So you have a ton of these amazing campaigns going on. You have influencers coming in and helping to create and write content. You have a team that wears many, many hats. And I know that you mentioned there's some platforms that you have in place that help you manage that. Is that sort of the key to overall success in maximizing bandwidth that you found is making sure to have the right platforms in place to manage all of this amazing content and all these campaigns and, you know, just things coming at you from all directions? I think it's a, I think it's a necessity. I think it's, um, it's not the final end all be all, but I think it's a necessity for people that is, especially in the space of people that are listening to this podcast is to, some might walk into a new company and the system's already in place. But I've seen from my experience is a lot of the time you kind of have to look at what the problem is. And if you can't solve it internally, really looking at what tools you can put in place that can help you solve that problem and how you can kind of fix something or, or make something better, be it, you know, growing out a better email system, putting in a, a stronger CRM or CMS. And, you know, it's, it's the idea of like, can SAS solve all the problems? No, but it can certainly help you mitigate a lot of those and make things better for the overall customer experience. 
I, I'm really fascinated because I, I agree with you. And it's, it's, it oftentimes feels like marketers, especially digital marketers, kind of, they race to put these platforms in place so fast, but maybe they haven't done some specific groundwork first. So when you first joined Franklin Covey, did they already have a platform in place that you kind of had to take a, another look at? Or were you, did you get the luxury of actually picking the platforms that were going to help manage everything? Well, it's funny. Uh, I wouldn't call it luxury, but yeah, we didn't have um, really luxury burden. Our, you know, our yeah. website was built basically with you know our original one was built with you know an old CMS. I mean, I called it just like chicken wire and duct tape. So we had to rip that out, and we had to look at what automation platform we wanted to put in. We had to figure out: did we want to do a global CMS system, or did we? What other tools could we put into play? So, yeah, I, I did have the the luxury, but I think it was also a challenge. And that's kind of one of the things that I did want to focus on is that the goal that I wanted to kind of talk about was here, like giving some baseline best practices for things that people in our space with looking at content management, how they can look at what's some ideas to think about before they put in a new tool. Things that are very generic, but really help you think about, okay, we'll just do that. We'll just do that. So that's kind of how I'm looking at this and what I'd like to talk about a little bit more. That's great, Charlie. I, I think a lot of us as marketers need that. We need that that framework to how do we approach these decisions. As, as you put it, I think some people view technology as the be-all end-all as opposed to it's not the be-all end-all. I always like to say, you know, invest in people, find your process, and then invest in technology. That, that tech should be the last thing. So I, I think a lot of us need that process for how to evaluate. And, and I'd love to get some best practices from you. What we're going to do though, we're going to hear some best practices from some of our sponsors first. And right after that, we'll be back here with Charlie Lynch to dig on to how to set up your organization and your infrastructure. So if you're a marketer like me, you're deep in the midst of planning for 2019. That's right. What What is your strategy going to be for the new year? And for many of us, we need to take a look and make data-driven decisions. That's where ICUC can help when you're trying to figure out your 2019 marketing strategy. ICUC can develop reports using social media, strategic insights to give you deep understanding of your audience, marketing competitors, so you can empower your marketing strategy to achieve the best results in this coming year from a targeting perspective, reach, engagement, any way you're looking to retain customers at the end of the day. Check out icuc.social slash plan 2019. That's plan 2019 to get started. All right, Charlie. So we're, we're back here. We're digging in on the way you've built up franklincovey.com to, to, to be honest, first of all, look great, hopefully function really well for you as well. And, and I'll, I'll let you, you know, give us a thumbs up if it is. But maybe you could just help us understand the process that you go through determining when to buy technology. Yeah, that's awesome. So baseline, I try and think of it, you know, a few steps. And first off is, which probably everyone thinks about, but it's having a project plan, knowing what you want, um, what you've been looking for, maybe lining out, okay, I'm going to look at these five different systems. And I'm, I'm going to just go off of the idea of, okay, let's look at it maybe from, you want to put in a new email system. Um, you're going to look at maybe active campaign, get response, Mailchimp, convince and convert. So let's that's just the SaaS tool that we're thinking about. But the goal of my th- what I hope to get across in this is that knowing your goals and being able to, to know what the 
end-all result you want. Maybe if you want to call it a KPI, key performance indicator, what are those? And having those lined out first. Second would be avoid overbuying, making sure you know what your budgets are, what you want to spend, and try not to get that creep or that kind of overselling of the tool that you know you're going to, you're going to want and put in place. And then, <clears throat> and I would almost call this one of the more important things, is think about the UI and the size of your team. So when I say UI, it's the user interface. of Who on that team is going to be using it? Are they going to be comfortable using that interface? And does it make them feel comfortable? Or are they going to, because if they don't enjoy using it, it's going to really hurt everyone's kind of overall embracing of a new tool. Because the UI really, and the experience, the integrations, all those need to be thought about um, up front. Again, so, go ahead. Those are three great tips. I, I want to dig into each of them and maybe we could break yeah. them down and start at the first one because I, I felt you about to go into the UI, which I think is the most most interesting. But let's start with project plan. Uh, I think a lot of the times marketers, we struggle with that piece because we think it's just about getting approval, right? It's, yeah. you know, for us to buy this technology, I need to show my boss that I've got a project plan and I know what my KPI is. So how do you think about when that project plan starts? Does that start when you've now you know, identified the technology that you want to buy, or does it start earlier than that? That's a good question. You know, I think you would almost start, it's, it's what the need is, you know, it's really, it, it is, if you're overseeing a team or, or if you've got a, a problem, can you think about, does the project plan start about, I need to solve this problem? And is that going to be, do it, is it start with even budgeting? Do you think about, okay, I need some money to fix this thing. What's that going to take? I mean, from my perspective is that, we knew we needed to put in a new, a new CMS engine. We knew that we're going to need some sort of resourcing tool, specifically in the case of Uberflip. We know that we needed to put in an email platform. I mean, these are basic necessities for marketing, but when it goes back to the project plan, it's kind of, are there, is there a value add in putting it in play? And, and when you scope it out, if you want to call it a project requirements document, your business requirements, BRD, whatever, that plan should start maybe at the point of, is it a necessity? Do we need this? Can we can we take the time to put it in place, or is it just going to be some like a nice value add? Gotcha. So maybe you could give us an example. Obviously, you know these project plans become beasts sometimes. Uh, so we're not going to get through it in a podcast. But maybe an example of you know a, a detail from a scoping perspective you'd have on one of the, the solutions you bought, like email that you touched on. And then maybe perhaps something that was more of a KPI when you were ready to, to proceed with that, which I think will lead us well into your second piece of advice. So in terms of, um, say, when we were put looking at email platforms, we were looking at what was our overall budget? Who was the team that, re- that was going to be able to resource for it? What integrations did it need to have? What other APIs did we need to have a hook into? Or, or we use Salesforce here. How would it integrate with that? Outlining, trying, putting as many of those pieces in, up front in your overall scoping document and then saying, okay, here, let's, and then we did a, basically a SWOT of what platforms are out there. What's the strength of weaknesses? I mean, you could look at a Gardner, you could look at a lot of those great um, resources that are out there. I think Kinsey has a breakdown of all those, but we wanted to model it into what we had available and what was usable within the systems that we could integrate it with. I also so love kinda, that you just brought up doing a SWOT because I feel like a SWOT analysis is like, it's so cliche sometimes, but it is so easy and so fast and it gives you results pretty much instantaneously. Like, I love that you actually just sat down and did a quick swat. It makes me happy. Oh, thanks. 
And I think, you know, something that I always think about is I always try and have some, what I call it artifact, like a, something you can show to everyone. So when you say like project plan, people might just build it in a, you know, PowerPoint deck, but if you at least have something, some sort of document that you can then pass around and almost, you know, dogpile on it to make sure that everyone's on the same page. Cause I've been on a lot of projects where it's just been kind of just people sitting on, a, okay, we're going to do this, do that. You don't really have things that you want or that, that you can take away from, or at least a document that you all can kind of use as, as something to, to relate to and, and make sure everyone's on the same page. That's great advice. And I think that that does lead us really well into your second piece of advice, because when we don't have that, when we don't have that project plan, or we don't understand what we're getting into, we probably teeter with overbuying software, right? It's just, we see something really cool and shiny, and it promises to solve, you know, for the end of the world. So we're going to now just buy it. Absolutely. I mean, I think there's great, great salesmen out there. And um, I've been, I've, I've, I've made some bad decisions when it comes to putting those things in just because I, I was so blown away by some cool piece of, or some tool or some neat widget, but really knowing what exactly it is that you need and honing in on those specific pieces is so vital because yeah, you can always get sold a new project or a new product that it seems really exciting and and cool, but really what you want is just maybe two pieces of that. So it, you, you, you want to think about scaling up, but you really want to make sure you're getting the absolute necessities of the things that you put in that project plan. So the idea of like overbuying, you don't, not every company needs this enterprise level tool. If you only have two people using it, focus on those two people that are going to use it because you're never going to need 8,000 different widgets that you'll probably never touch and might actually even blow up the system and slow it down even more. So you Which- really need to think about those things. I think it's an amazing bridge into your next point because you do get sold a lot of times from salespeople on all the bells and whistles and all the things that, you know, the system or the the platform could potentially do. But then when it comes down to actually using it, again, back to your third point about considering the UI and the team size and who's actually going to be using it, you know, that bell and the bells and whistles are great, but if your team doesn't even use it or if they're not using it the right way or, you know that UI really makes or breaks that final experience. Absolutely. I mean, when you think about what you need it to do, having a nice clean engine that can do that, a clean system, this nice simple dashboard interface is vital for the success of the team and for the success of the integration of that tool because if they're not comfortable using it, if someone can't just sit down and take 30 minutes or an hour and understand the integration and the pieces that you need to build out a basic campaign, they're not going to adopt it. That, that adoption rate is going to drop to zero. And if you don't have good, clean UI, and it doesn't even have to be clean, like it could be based around the, the audience. You know, I've, I've looked at other tools for real estate and things like that, and it's built for that person. But as long as the tool and the people that you know are using it, get it and understand it and it works for them, then it's great. So, you know, I think for, for me, understanding and as a background in, in user experience work is that UI is absolutely vital for everything. So everything you're hitting on, Charlie, I I couldn't agree with more, but I'm going to kind of put you on the hot seat for a moment and and kind of hit you with with a a challenge to this, which is when when you started on your first piece of advice, you you talked about a lot of the solutions that we know we need in our organization, you know, a, a, a better CRM, an email marketing solution. And we're cautioned, though, to not overbuy. Yet sometimes there are those cool solutions that you didn't realize that you need yet, right? That, you know, it challenges the way that you think about the norm. And I'm wondering how you you make room for those in your buying decision, in your architecture, 
when some of them, to be honest, I mean, some of the things that we have at first glance to me feel overlapping, but when we dig in and, and maybe this hits on your last point, it's, it's better built for that salute, for, for that audience or that specific need. So, I mean, I guess to try and rephrase your question, you're wondering kind of how do you look forward and how do you also think about things you might not need, or at least build out or understand what you're going to need? Is that kind of the question? Yeah, how do you challenge the norm? How do you go outside of you know that typical marketing game plan, or should you? I think you should. I mean, for me, I'm a data guy, so you can always find more insights into looking at what people actually do. But when you're looking at it, just the specifics for a team and for a tool that you would want, if you can hone in and know what your necessities are, and if the other values, like every company or all looking at, just going back to email, like they all do email, and you know you need email. Like that's pretty basic. Is there specific things that you don't even know that are in there could help you more? Yeah, absolutely. But I think if you can understand what your that user is going to need, being user being the, the, the internal resource is going to need, and if you can have them give you some feedback on what it is, you know, I'm speaking specifically if you're overseeing people, if you're looking at how to manage people, the things that you don't foresee you hope that this tool you're going to put in play that the people are thinking that that company is thinking further ahead for what you want. So it's almost like you want to basically be partnered with the company. And, and to go back to Uberflip is you guys are, are pretty consistent about talking to your users and understanding what they want and making sure that those things are absolute necessities, but also can bring some more value, like looking at your AI that you're putting in play and you've got on your on Uberflip now. I hope that answers your question. I think I kind of ran in circles on it a little bit. No, I think it's perfect. And, and I love that for everybody listening, we literally didn't uh, prompt Charlie to give an Uberflip plug that just worked out that way. So Randy's probably jumping up. And I am. I, I'm, I'm fist pumping. I'm fist pumping. I didn't even have to leave. It was great. Uh, I have a feeling this is going to be the clip that everybody hears on uh, Randy's <laughs> recap. So um, no, th- this is fantastic. Charlie, you dropped so much amazing, wonderful tips for everybody on this podcast. Thank you so much. You know, we, I'm sure we could continue talking about platforms all day long. Um, but now that we've gotten to know the professional side of you, we'd really like to actually jump over and get to know the personal side of you. So you, you've just given us so much on this. Um, and now we want to just get to know you a little bit better. So stick around. Um, we are going to chat with Charlie a little bit more about what he likes to do when he's not managing all these platforms and this amazing global team of content creators. All right, Charlie. So we've got a little bit more time here. We've gotten to understand how you evaluate solutions and building infrastructure at Franklin Club. But now we want to get to know you outside of work. And you, we always get cheat sheets from, from our, our guests. One of the things you told us was that you love comic books. And you know, for everyone listening, we're actually leveraging Zoom to record this right now. So I can see Charlie. And in the background, I can see a image of, I'm pretty sure it's a comic book cover. Uh, so I, I now know you're not lying. You didn't just like throw that answer in there. It, it looks like it's a legitimate passion. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I was kind of a loser when I was a kid, so I kind of buried myself in comic books. What? Um, and or I, you were the cool kid. Exactly. No, not. I have eight sisters. I'm the youngest <gasps> of, of eight. I have five stepsisters. So I, uh, I kind of lived in my room just, just, um, reading comic books and hiding from my sisters. 
So for Man, me, where were the Marvel movies when you needed them? Right? Exactly. <laughs> MCU is definitely not, is not where it was um, today. But um, yeah, I, I've always had a fascination with comic books. I've always loved the stories. You know, it's a form of escapism. But for me, I think there isn't. Um, and I've actually, my, I got two little boys now and I read them um, comic books and have given them a ton. So Nice. for me it's it's uh yeah it's definitely it's not a, like a true passion i, I don't I, I collect a little bit more but for it's mostly i just love the stories and and, and the and the that's great the ideas around it okay so i've got a question for you my this is a true story my son hit me with this question on the weekend he asked me a two-part question i'm gonna get ask it the same to you if you could meet a superhero assuming they were real which maybe they are. Uh, if you could meet a superhero, who would it be? And similar question, if you could be a superhero, who would it be? Wow, that's a good question. Um, I could totally dork out and go on some like indie book, but I think for me, I'd love to meet Spider-Man. Nice. Um, and given you know the idea, there's so many variations of Spider-Man, but I've always been a huge fan of the idea of, you know, he's kind of like a, a quiet guy, but he gets this huge power and he's how he has to deal with it and understand what he needs to do with it. And, you know, like the idea of with great power comes great responsibility, blah, blah, blah. But I think for me, you know, that was a, a, someone I could really relate to because he didn't have a whole lot of friends growing up and he was, had to really just kind of find his way. And then he gets this amazing superpower. So for me, that was, that's kind of what I, where I would go. And then if you could be one, who would you be? Oh man. <laughs> I know that's a really tough one. Like, do you want the ability to fly? Do you want the ability to to do all that? I mean, I think I think I, I think I'd probably want to be like I think I'd want like more of a Wolverine power where you have you know you can always regenerate and reheal, and then you have these cool claws you get to work with. And yeah, nice. I, think, I think I think probably Wolverine or I don't know. I mean, I could. It's interesting how they're different answers. Though, huh? that, that's that I could totally go go way off tangent. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, it was a great question. By you, what would, who would you at first? Would you say at first? I thought I was just going to give the same answer. Mine were so my my superhero to be was Spider Man because yeah. he yeah he gets the girl you know all, all the aspects the swinging down the street it's it's amazing. It's all like, but but my meat was Iron Man. I just think Iron Man's got he he makes stuff happen right. Yeah. I'd, I'd want to learn how to be you know that type of entrepreneur from him so it, it's interesting how every one of us i mean anna you got to chirp in here where, oh yeah i mean i will what's your go-to's oh i will happily go down the nerdiest path here okay so charlie super nerdy uh comic book character i'd want to meet absolutely the max which i don't even know if anybody remembers the max oh yeah, yeah. okay Amazing. Favorite comic book of all time. By the way, I used to collect comic books as well. So I was the nerd sitting nice. in her room as well. And then comic book character I'd like to be. I haven't thought about that one much. I don't know. Maybe like Phoenix, but not like crazy. Can I do that? Can I make this like... Yeah, can, I, I mean, this is a make-believe world, so you can yeah. do whatever okay. you want. So like, <laughs> maybe Phoenix, but not crazy or like murdery. Early X-Men Gen, Gen Phoenix kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good. Awesome. Well, you know, Charlie, this has been a ton of fun. Uh, you know, it's always great to get to know the people uh, who we, we work with and, and we learn from. And, and that's definitely been the case with you over the this episode. Uh, thank you so much. If people want to see the type of experiences 
that Charlie and his team are putting together. You can go to franklincovey.com. And as we talked about there, you know, you can just learn how to become a better leader, which, which I think a lot of us as marketers are striving for on a daily basis. We thank everyone for tuning into this episode. If you've enjoyed it, check out some of our other episodes at thecontentexperienceshow.com or go to Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast. we're there. Let us know if you're enjoying. And until next time, thanks so much to Charlie and thanks so much to everyone for tuning in. This is Jay Bear and thanks for listening to the Content Experience Show. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcast listening app. Go to contentexperienceshow.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. That's contentexperienceshow.com. The Content Experience Show is sponsored by Convince and Convert Consulting and by Uberflip. It's produced by my team and I at Convince and Convert. If you're interested in being a guest or a sponsor on the show, just go to convinceandconvert.com.